0: Well, we're just going to continue on with what we've been singing about. Uh, for those of you who missed last week, we started a brand new series, a new teaching series last week called High Places. And the title came to me as I was reading through a section of the Bible called the Old Testament, and I kept seeing a phrase repeated over and over and over again. And here's the phrase. Uh, here's one example of, of many. This is out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 30, uh, 43, says this, Yet the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. This is just one of many. In fact, when I went back and I used one of my uh, electronic tools, I I counted more than 60 different references in more than 16 different books of the Bible where this phrase, high places, came up over and over again. And most of the time when it came up, it it didn't come up in a positive light. Most of the time when it came up, there was something going on that... uh, that those who were writing the Bible didn't look at in a, in a positive way. Here's, here's an example of why in Second Kings 17, verse 40. Here's where, where high places got out of place when they did this. Even while the people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. You know, there was this, this warning we see in the scriptures of the fact that it is possible for us to be worshiping the Lord, but yet serving other idols, and last week, we saw that when you try to do both, at least in the case of Israel, when they were trying to worship the Lord and serve their idols, it had a devastating effect on the nation of Israel. Devastating effect. And one of the things we looked at last week was how there's also more here than a history lesson. Very few people in our culture consciously think of idol worship. Most of us just don't go around saying, Am I, do I have any idols in my life? Am I worshiping idols? Most of us don't think about that, but it may have more to do With a lack of self awareness than it does with the lack of 21st century idols. I found a good clip. 90% of you are going to see exactly where it's going, but uh, it's still fun anyway. Here's a little uh, 90 second clip that introduces this idea that we've got idols here today.
1: I was watching TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. Well, you would think they were crazy if you didn't understand their culture and their religion. See, that's just the thing. They were worshippers of idols, and they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies. They wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted. They danced. They they made sacrifices to their idols. They had built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship you don't really relate, do you? Let's try it again. I was watching TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. See, that's just the thing. They were worshipers of idols, and they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies, they wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted, they danced, they they made sacrifices to their idols. They had built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship. Idol worship. It's not just about golden calves anymore.
0: How many saw exactly where that was headed? (laughs) Yeah. So today we're just going to rip on sports now for the next 30... I love sports. The point in the whole of this whole thing is just to get us thinking in different categories you know we worship things we just don 't call it worship the ancients were perhaps more honest than we were and more self aware because when they worshiped something they created a physical idol for it and they they called it worship and we don 't create physical um, idols and we don 't call it worship but when you look up worship in in almost any definition of it 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 uses words like adoration and devotion and when you think about the things that have our highest adoration and our greatest devotion you know there's a whole lot of things in our society that that compete for for a religious-like fervor in our life and so what we're going to do for the next four weeks including this week is we're going to we're going to look at four of the most common idols that you'd see in our in our country in our culture Four of the most common. So we'll take one today, and we'll, we'll take uh, three more in the next three weeks. And the one we're going to look at today is not just sports, but the bigger category of entertainment. We're going to be looking at the idol of entertainment. And I would begin by presenting to you for your consideration that no one can effectively argue that entertainment is not an idol in our culture. You really can't argue that point effectively. It was interesting as I was doing my research it was, and I was looking at different sources. It was just amazing to see how the different sources had a lot of the same stories. They had a lot of the same accounts just using different people. And a number of the different sources would comment on people who would go into foreign lands, especially um, India and, and other parts of Asia and Africa, and they would go into these homes. And in these homes, there were shrines to these different gods. And in that room where that shrine was, everything in that room was focused in on that idol. And at the time, you know, the people thought that was strange until they came home and they went into their living room and they said, Wow, look at our rooms and how everything is. This is more than sight lines. There are spaces in our houses that are dedicated to, to this idea of entertainment. And I'm not just going to pick on, on TV, you know, the entertainment in more in general. I remember the, a concert. We brought our, our daughters to a little boy band called Big Time Rush. They were about three hit wonders. And we went, they were playing at the grandstand, so we brought our kids there. You know, their music is relatively safe. But I, was, I think I've commented on this before. I was really struck as I'm watching this concert and I'm realizing this could be a church. This could be a modern church. The, 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 here's, a, here's a picture, not from that concert, but it was a lot like this. You know, you look at this picture, this could be a, I don't know, this could be a church, this could be a, a concert. And, and it just got me thinking, you know, the, the themes of their songs were the same themes that we sing about. Devotion, adoration, just sub your girlfriend's name for Jesus, and it's the same. Eternity. You know, the same themes. I watched the actions. The actions were the same. Hands doing same type gestures. A little more of this than this. But other than that, it was really the same. The, The passion was even greater in the concert. You know, there were certain words, like in Christian concerts, they say, Jesus, you know, and then this one, they you know say one word that they could understand, and then people go. Ah. It was just, it was fascinating to see, and it got me thinking: Are there certain actions that we should reserve only for God? Are there certain actions that we should reserve only only for God? So, it, it, and it's not just TV, and it's not just concerts or movies. There's all kinds of things that that in the in entertainment that seem to com, compete for for our devotion. You know, this morning I ended up penciling in in my notes something that I thought I heard as I was reviewing things this morning. I thought I heard a special message for gamers. Gamers, I thought I heard this for you. I thought I heard the Holy Spirit whisper, you will Red Bull your way to the next level in your game. You'll Red Bull your way to the next level in your game. Would you do that for God? You know? I also, about that time, the sun was just starting to come up, and, and I saw this, and I thought, you know, our attendance will be down a little bit today. It's interesting, our attendance goes down if the weather's really nice or if the weather's not nice. And, and I just thought about that. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, a lot of reasons for that. But could one of the reasons be that, that, that we, wouldn't, we wouldn't stay away from entertainment, that there's not enough entertainment value in some of these other things. Because a lot of people, they, you know, in the snowstorm, they'll be out there watching their football game. They'll camp out in the cold for the release of a game. But when it comes to meeting with God, is, is it different? There's a lot of reasons for that, but is one of them related? Well, here's, here's what I want to do. I want Before we dive in, I just want to say a couple things so that you know where I'm not going to go today. Where I'm not going to go today is to say, now here's your list of ECC-approved media, (laughs) you know, or here's your list of categories or here's your list of devices that now every Christian, this is the correct list. I can't do that. I can't do that. For one, it brings you to a whole lot of dysfunctional places. But secondly, I wouldn't even know how to do that. I I think of, in my own life, I think about um, recently on the History Channel, there were two series back-to-back, the Bible and the Vikings, And I I sat down with Laura, and I watched one episode of the Bible, and I was one and done. The episode I saw, I couldn't recommend to my friends who are Christians, and I couldn't recommend to my friends who aren't Christians. This is just me. This is not me saying It's wrong. I'm just saying that was my experience with that one episode. I saw the episode of the Vikings, and and I I was so moved by one 10-minute section, I even referenced it at Easter Sunday. But my point isn't, so my point obviously isn't Christian media good, secular media bad, because there's some stuff that's great from both worlds. I also can't say Bible series bad, Vikings good. When it came to the Vikings, the the last two times I tried to watch it, I felt I need to turn this off. There was something inside that just said, for me, I shouldn't be watching this. So I, I haven't even I haven't watched another episode of those. And when it comes to the Bible, I love the, um, the promo piece I saw, the promo piece where they, for, for the Bible episode where, where they've got this disciple and Jesus and they're sitting in a boat and, and the disciple says, Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus says, change the world. I, mean, I, I get goosebumps on that stuff. So, so what I want to do today is not give you a list of here's, here's the good approved stuff, here's the, here's the not approved stuff. I don't even know how to make a list like that and my own list would be really weird. Because there's pieces in Ellis. What I want to try to do is just hit pause. If you're a Christian, here's what I want to have happen today. Here's what I hope happens today is that we hit pause on our life and we just ask ourselves some questions today. Have we allowed entertainment to take on an idle place? That's what I want us to do, to just pause long enough today to ask that, that question. Have we allowed entertainment to take an idle place in our life? And if you're not a believer, what I hope happens today too is you don't just hear another person ripping on entertainment that they don't prefer. I hope today... you you really try to listen and say, wait a minute, is there something to this? Is there something to the idea of allowing entertainment to take a high place in my life? And is that something I really want to do? So that's what we're trying to do today. All right. So with that, let's, let's go back to second Kings 17 for just a minute to frame this up. While these people were still worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. That's, that's what I want us to wrestle with today. Are we doing that? Are we worshiping the Lord? Are we singing? I surrender all to you. I raise my white flag. It's all to you. All to you, except that one song that I really like, or that one movie I really like. You know, are, let's just ask the question. And so, how do we get at whether or not something is a rival God? Here are some questions. They're in your uh, your notes on the yellow sheet. We'll also put them up on the screen. Here are some questions. Here are some questions we can ask. If you're wondering, could this be a rival God? Could this be an idol in my life? We're basically taking what we presented last week, and now let's apply it specifically to entertainment. All right, here's, here's a question. Does entertainment compete with God for your time? You don't have to answer out loud. In fact, probably don't want to answer out loud. Just think that through. Does entertainment compete with God for your time? Number two, does entertainment compete with God for your finances? Or are they independent of each other? Number three, does entertainment compete with God for your heart or devotion? I want to explain a little bit about number four. Number four says this. Does the entertainment you consume include gossip or slander? The reason I broke that out from number five, which is all-encompassing, number five is does the entertainment you consume contain other material that the Bible steers us away from? The reason I broke this one out is a lot of times I don't think we stop to think about this. The, the Bible is very clear for believers. We don't we don't engage in gossip. We're not supposed to engage in gossip or slander. And, you know, I think about how much entertainment, that's all it is. There's, there's entire magazines, there's entire things. And it's just gossip or slander. So if it contains these things that we're told not to do, I would argue that that's a rival God. And then number five is the more obvious one of, does, does the entertainment you consume contain any other material? If the Bible says, hey, I, we steer you away from this, but we steer towards it, that, that, that should concern us. And then number six, does your entertainment make sin look appealing? That's a dangerous thing. If your entertainment makes sin look appealing. And then number seven, I didn't know how to word this. There's probably going to be some counselors who are just livid here by my wording, so I'll explain it. Do you feel guilty or ashamed of your entertainment choices? All I mean by that, all I mean by that is, are you ever watching something and your conscience says, ah, you shouldn't be watching this, but you ignore that? Or are you ever watching something and somebody comes into the room and you quickly change it, you quickly change the channel, you quickly change the screen, that, that could be concerning. That could be that you've got a rival God in your life. So here are some questions. And, and again, what today is about is trying to say, okay, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Are you allowing these different forms of entertainment to, to potentially take on this rival God place? And here's where I want to go next now. So what? So what if it does? So what if it is? Let's just say I can answer yes to four, five, seven of these. So what? So what? Let's talk about the so what. heres I would encourage you to write this in your notes. Again, we, we talked about this last week, but let's apply it specifically to entertainment. Your high places can lead to your downfall. Your high places can lead to your downfall. And we certainly saw this in the scripture. We certainly saw it. We saw it with the nation of Israel. We saw things like Psalm 78, 50, uh, says this. They provoked God to anger with their high places. They removed, they moved him to jealousy with their idols and it had devastating effects on their entire nation. You can go to the Holy land today. You can see a once powerful civilization that had been destroyed primarily because of idol worship. God allowed them to face the natural consequences of turning to other gods. Okay. Let them save you. Let them save you from me. Let them save you from yourself. Let them save you from these other enemies. And we saw it there. But now let's talk about here today, us, us, can they lead to a downfall? Absolutely. If you um, have your Bibles with you, let's open up to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. I also want to mention, as we try to remember each week, that uh, we keep a stack of Bibles in the back. And that stack, if you're new, is is you can use them while you're here, but you can also just take one free. If you don't have a Bible at home, please, we encourage you, we'd love for you to take one of our Bibles. We want to make it your Bible. Take your Bible. Consider it yours. Uh, take it home as a gift. You don't have to let us know that you're taking it. Please just, uh, just do that. All right, we're going to look at Hebrews 10, but I want to... I get a running start at at this. The Bible, if you're not familiar with the Bible, the Bible is divided into two sections. It has 66 of what are called books, these individual sections, and it has uh, 39 of them grouped in a section called the Old Testament, and then it has 27 of them grouped in a section called the New Testament. The difference between the Old and the New primarily is the Old Testament is before Jesus stepped onto the earth in the way that we usually describe him, and then the New Testament is Jesus' appearance And the time after that, what's interesting about Hebrews is I can't think of a better book that does a better job of bridging between the two. It does an outstanding job of tying the two sections, I should say, the two sections, the Old and the New Testaments together. Hebrews does a great job. Some of the things that you find in the book of Hebrews is it presents Jesus as the fulfillment of the ancient hopes and prophecies. So it, it, it helps to tie in of how Jesus connects these two sections. Jesus is presented as greater than Moses. Jesus is presented as a great high priest who was tempted just as we are, but was without sin. And we, are, we see in Hebrews how because of Jesus' great life and his sacrifice, the, that we are able to experience things like this. This is out of Hebrews 4. We're going to be looking at 10, but just let me quickly put four on the screen. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then, in light of all that Jesus did, in light of who God is, in light of his great sacrifice, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, there's still some dysfunctional churches out there that only preach like condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. There's still some of them, but that number is shrinking. Most churches, if they're going to err, they err on the side of, oh, God is this big, you know, I don't know, l- only love, only grace, only this one side of him, which is so true. And Hebrews spends time and time again talking about God's amazing grace and his great love. But it, God is also a God who is holy and he is just. And there's solemn warnings like this that we're about to look at in the New Testament. And we're going to see God is the same yesterday, today, and t- Forever. So, let's, let's read. I, and I'm going to read directly from the Bible. These are, these are, this isn't my commentary added here. Here we go. Um, Hebrews 10, starting with verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open to us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere heart, with full assurance that the faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And he and let us consider how we, must, we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. All right, I'm going to hit pause for a second. You know, no surprises here, right? God loves. God, God invites us. God, we can draw near because of what Jesus did. We can draw near to God because of what Jesus did. So great, wonderful, amazing promises. And they were giving a lot of hope to the people who received this letter who were facing extremely challenging situations. Look where, the, where he goes with this, the author of Hebrews through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Look where he goes, picking up with verse 26. So in light of all of this, in light of God's goodness, in light of his grace, in light of his amazing sacrifice on our behalf, picking up with verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who's trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, who has insulted the Spirit of grace? Now, again, hear, hear me clearly on this. This is not referring to people who are, I'm trying to break out of an addiction. This isn't talking about that. This isn't talking about somebody who goes, I know this is wrong and I, 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 I need help. This isn't talking about that. This is talking about people who just go through and just ignore. I know this is wrong. I'm going to do it anyway. After all, didn't Jesus die for me? They're saying, are you going to treat that with that kind of contempt? That huge sacrifice? You're going to con- treat that with that contempt? And you're just going to ignore what God says. You're just going to deliberately just say, hands off of this, God. I got this one. Those are some challenging words, convicting words. I put a question in my notes here. Does obedience matter today? It does. Obedience matters today. Just as it always had. Here are just some of the things that can happen if we just deliberately disobey God and we just say, okay, God, I know you say don't do this. I'm going to do it anyway. Let's look at the category of entertainment. Here's just some things that can happen. Number one is the one we could spend months on. And someday we'll do a series on this. God just can't ignore idolatry. I wish we had more time that we could unpack that. But suffice it to say, God just can't ignore it. He's too holy. He's too just to ignore it. And he also cares too much about us to just ignore it. But now let's get some of the real practical things. Just things that we can, that aren't as, as, um, as maybe hard to get our heads around. You know, number two, you hear this all the time, it can contribute to obesity, but let's get into even some of the the things that really grab our hearts and our minds. Number three, entertainment can contribute to an obsession with unrealistic appearances. And that has all kinds of problems, doesn't it? We can start thinking, if we're a guy, girls are supposed to look like this. If you're a girl, guys are supposed to look like this. Even when the people we're seeing the pictures of don't even look like that. We can also start to say, I'm supposed to look this way. I'm supposed to have muscles that look like this. I'm supposed to have... Other body parts that look like this. We we start to have unrealistic expectations. Number four, entertainment can contribute to family fragmentation and social isolation. It can it can break us up as people. Number five, entertainment can distract you from reality and immerse you in an artificial world that feels so real. Number six, entertainment shapes our worldview. I didn't notice I didn't put it can shape your worldview, it does. As careful as you are, it shapes your worldview. Number seven, entertainment is increasing societal narcissism. I didn't put it can, it is. People are becoming more self-absorbed. Number eight, and this is just a partial list. Kids are being exposed to a tremendous amount of harmful and inappropriate content. Number nine, youth are being mentored by Hollywood, Madison Avenue, and political and religious activists. Number 10. Now let's talk a little bit about the devices that we consume our entertainment with. Modern entertainment devices, they close the gap between predator and prey. If someone wants to get to you, it's really easy to get to you. They know who you are, and they know how to get to you. And related to that, number 11, modern entertainment devices place sin just a click away. I'll even say place addiction one click away. One click away—that's scary. Modern entertainment devices create a permanent record of past sins. I want to say something about this one for just a second. What I, what I mean by that is, it used to be if you did something stupid, it could fade away, you know, because the people that you did something stupid with or saw you do something stupid that you later regret—if you don't see them, you know, th- then it gets distance. Today, you take the wrong picture. You say the wrong thing, there's a record of it everywhere. Someone does something to you, there's a record of it all over. It's it's crazy. Number uh, 13, modern entertainment is costly. And you know, it used to be you try to buy something that was quality, right? So that it could last a long time. You buy the most quality thing, entertainment related, it's outdated when you bring it home. And not only that, it knows how to get you to spend more really easily, right? It's so easy now. You can just one click your way into into dangerous spending practices. All right. And number 14, and this one I want to spend a little bit of time on also, because it's the most counterintuitive of the rest. Modern entertainment is obliterating attention spans and deep reflective thinking. Let me read that one again. Modern entertainment is obliterating attention spans and deep, reflective thinking. Again, I want to focus on this one because it's a little more counterintuitive. When you think about our, our 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 world, our culture, we have more amazing entertainment than the world has ever seen, right? You would think that would make us more content. Like, I can go anywhere and I can find this amazing entertainment. The research that's coming out now says... It's actually having the opposite effect. The more great entertainment you, 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 you consume, the less effect it has on you. You know? Wow, wow. And, and here we are, where people have more access to more information everywhere. Some of the articles are just putting it this black and white. They're saying, and we're stupider than we've ever been. I've seen articles that have actually said that our brains aren't as powerful as the brains of the ancients anymore because we're not, we don't have to use them. And we think we're so knowledgeable, but we, we don't do deep reflective thinking anymore. We scan headlines and, and people think they're so knowledgeable. They're so aware. And you ask them one or two simple follow-up questions and you realize they don't know anything. They don't even know how to think about things. You would think it would be the opposite, but this is the way it is. Um, one of the source, many of the sources actually I looked at talked about linguists. Listen to this. Those who study modern languages and those who study ancient languages have noted recently that the ancient people and groups that haven't been influenced by modern entertainment are less likely to have the word boredom in their language. Think about the significance of that. Here you are. You're a culture that doesn't have 200 channels. You're a culture that doesn't have a gazillion web pages that you can access at any time. And you don't have a word for boredom. And we have all this stuff that could entertain us. And we're bored. The Greeks, I understand, didn't. the ancient Greeks didn't have a word for boredom. But they did have this word. They did have this word, muse. And this is interesting. Now, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on the muses because I only read about it this week. But if I'm understanding things correctly... The muses were these Greek goddesses, and they were thought to have inspired all of these great things, like great writing, and great scientific learning, and great artistic achievement, and rich, deep thinking. And it's fascinating when you take this word then, muse, and you add the English prefix uh to it. You get uh-musement. Does anyone know what the English suffix, uh, or prefix, "a" uh, means without, without, without great depth, without great inspiration, without great value intrinsically, without great learning, without great art. Isn't that most of our entertainment? Amusement. Most of it's amusement. Now, now hear me, hear me on this. I'm not trying to say there's no place for amusement in our life. That's not my point. That's not my point. Here are some of the thoughts, though, that come to my head. How many of you would say that most of our entertainment, most of what we sink thousands and thousands of hours and dollars into over the course of a lifetime, how many would say a lot of it is amusement? All right. It is a lot. And so here's the question. Do you want to sink thousands of hours and thousands of dollars into something that has a potential to be an idol, they can't do anything more than amuse. Again, I'm not saying there's no place for amusement, but one of the questions I've been asking myself a lot lately, and a question that I would pose to you this morning is this, do you want to let something like amusement become an idol? You know, If you felt some conviction this morning and want to do something about it, here's, here's where we want to transition to now. This idea that high places, if you want to get rid of them, you can't just remove them. You have to replace them. And there's a place to write this in your notes. High places can't simply be removed. They've got to be replaced. We are hardwired to worship, and idols are going to constantly pop up. Even the same idols that we thought we put to death before, they're going to constantly pop up and try to take God's place. And you can't just say, I'm done with you. You have to replace them. And here's the thing. Idols are rarely bad things. Idols can be great things. Idols can be good things. Idols can be neutral things. But as we've seen, they can have a dark side. And what God wants to do, he wants to protect you from that dark side of great things, the dark side of good things, the dark side of neutral things. And what he says, he asks us to put our full trust in him. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to say, like we have on this altar here, I'm not going to allow things to compete with God. I'm going to put God in such a place where he instructs how I relate to these other things. Are you willing to do that? Because that's what he asks. To not just be the first among many, but to be exclusively God and have no other gods, and everything else comes under that. I have a visual representation that a couple of you might bring, might date some of us. Um, This is from a a device, an entertainment device called a record that that only some of us know what that is, but On these records, they used to have these record covers, which were kind of like mini posters. And this is one from an album by a guy named Keith Green, a Christian artist who wrote this, he had this album called No Compromise. And it might be hard to see, especially from the back, but in this this picture, you've got this guy, this this some kind of king or, or, or authority figure, and he's being carried by his slaves. And everyone else is bowing down to this king, except one guy. One guy is standing up. I want to encourage you to be that guy, that girl who says, regardless of what everyone else is doing, I I bow to one God. I bow to one God. Now, that looks like a couple of different things. One of the things that looks like is for you to have some things in your life that there's zero tolerance for when it comes to entertainment, that if you see this thing as part of your entertainment, you just say, "I, I can't listen to this, I can't support this, I can't watch this. And I don't know what that list is for you. I don't know what that list is for you. For me, one of the things on that list is anything that would start me on the pathway towards porn. And so if this is the line of everyone would say, yep, this is porn, and this is the line of nobody would say this is porn, my line I'm trying to put about here. Just because as a guy, I, I don't want to start on that pathway. So for me, if if when, when a movie's coming out, I try to look, and if there's going to be nudity, if there's going to be... Uh, real intense situations or whatever, I'm just, okay. I'll either not see it at all or I'll have to wait till it's DVD and when that scene's coming, you know, fast forward. When certain commercials come on, it's eyes down. You know, if if the show is going a certain direction, I need to turn it. For me, that's one of those no compromise. That's a, I just need to stop right here. Um, Another one that I'm now more consciously aware of and I'm trying to just say this is no tolerance for me is if they mock God. If they mock God. And some of you might be going, oh, come on, what's the big deal? Let me tell you what the big deal is. You, don't, you think this is a big deal. Here's why you think this is a big deal. If they said the same things about your friends that they say about God, would you say that's not a big deal? Well, it's, I love it. It's entertainment. It's not a big deal. If they mocked your friends the way they mocked God, would that be okay? If they mocked your spouse? If they mocked your mama? Would it be okay for you to go, well, I like the rest of it, but... I'm trying to get to a place where I'm like, God, you are the king of kings. You are the lord of lords. If they mock you, I'm done. I I have to turn this off, even regardless of how entertainment it is. That's just a deference to you. If there's racism, exploitation, trivialization of the poor, I I have certain things where for me this is just, if it's there, regardless of how good it is, regardless of who else saw it, I'm trying to get to a place where I'm just like, I'm not going to let it compete. And I don't know what those are for you. The, the metaphor I got from Jill was fantastic. She, had a, she used to teach, and she, well, she still teaches us, but she used to teach kids in a classroom. And one time, she had passed out brownies to all their kids, and they're loving the brownies. woo we got brownies. And then she says, oh, yeah, by the way, um, there's a little bit of dog poop in, in the brownies. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And what do you think? Kids are like, Ugh! there wasn't dog poop in the brownies, you guys. But, but what do you think the kids did? They're going to want to eat the brownies? No. But it's just a little I mean, you have to decide what, what's, the, what's the doggy do for you, you know, of this is it. This is not okay. Regardless of what the whole thing is, this is the one thing that I'm just not okay with. I can't support this, blah, blah, blah. All right, so that's one category of, of just saying with, with spring cleaning, with the idea of I need to make some changes. One of your spring cleaning might just be I'm going home. If, if it has those things that I just need to say no to have integrity, then I'm going to get rid of them today. I'm going to delete it today. I'm going to throw it away today. You're not going to sell it. To somebody else, right? If you should be throwing it away, you're not gonna sell it to somebody else. You know, so there's that whole category of just and the reason I'm saying doing it today, if you don't do it today, six months from now you're gonna go, yeah, I should have done. So that's one category. Just what are the things that, that just shouldn't be on there? But here's the other category. There's also the category with spring cleaning of doing an inventory. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice. Okay, sorry, those of you listening online, I just saw the snow. God bless the snow. Okay, here we go. But I'm back on track. Um, Talking about, oh, the other category. The other category is this. The other category is just the volume. Some of you might be feeling convicted that, you know what, what I'm watching maybe isn't so bad, but the amount that I'm consuming is just too much. And for some of you, your no compromise moment means to go, even if... On average, people are watching four hours of TV a day, which is the last stat I saw. That's not going to be me. Even if it is our, the TV is on eight hours in the average household, it's not going to be on eight hours. Even if everyone else is plugged in all the time, that's not going to be me. Somebody might be con- feeling that conviction. I just wrote this down. I'll just read it word for word. To, you know, are you willing today to say to entertainment, you don't own me? I'm not going to go through my day constantly plugged into digital input. I'm going to listen for God's voice. I'm going to think deeply on one or two things rather than constantly scan headlines. I'm going to make a conscious decision to not only plug, or I'm going to make a conscious decision to only plug back into the matrix for limited amounts of time with carefully selected material. Would you be willing to say that today? All right, If so, here's the last point. I want to make. I encourage you to write this down. Don't just try to remove it, but replace it. Replace amusement with recreation. Amusement with recreation. True recreation. True recreation. You guys, we all get worn out. We all need to recharge. Let's encourage one another to seek real recreation. Things that don't just help us relax, but the types of things that renew our hearts and renew our minds and renew our relationships. I'll tell you, it'll spoil you from amusement recreation will spoil you from amusement. I I can't think... I mean, I think about Tim and I when we were flying into that plane down in the mountains in, uh, in Haiti on that landing strip. Oh, my word. Real adventure is so much more exciting than, you know, as we talked before, defeating pixels. Mary was on that plane too. I mean, just going in and trying to land, you know, that type of thing. I think about, I I love sports, love sports, but I think about how much greater it is to either be participating or watching, like, your family and friends and supporting them, or I think about when we were down in Mexico and playing soccer while actually losing to a kid this tall in soccer, how great that was compared to, you know, watching it on TV. And you don't have to spend money, and you don't don't have to get out of the country. I mean, just some little changes can have big results. Our family, we love to do pizza movie nights sometimes, but it should be more of a sometimes thing. Don't watch the TV during supper, except on rare occasions. Talk. And it might be awkward at first and weird at first, but it'll recharge you and renew you in a way that, that, that just watching TV alone won't. And these things that God, that the Bible does point us to that recreate us, silence can help bring real recreation, prayer, reading the scriptures for ourselves. It can add to a renewed mind. It can help to guide us. It can assure us. It can fill us with power. It can help us to do things that we can't if we're walking in disobedience and worshiping other gods. It can be as simple as a walk outside, you know? to <laughs> You're not helping weather, <laughs> but But... You know because we've, we've seen a lot of you, but but when, when the first here we go, when the first beautiful spring and I know God you made this beautiful, but when the first warm, sunny spring day comes to go out and feel the sunshine, you know to I believe every Christian should sit around a campfire at least once a year, with no music, no right? Just watch the fire. To get outside, and I heard the spring birds this morning. My, my wife was in the first service. She goes, yeah, and they were really confused. <laughs> but to, to listen, to, to let, let God's soundtrack. You know, at all the movies, they keep moving 3D. You know, the entertainment is going 3D, 4D, 5D. You can do the Ds without any of that. Why are they trying to recreate what's already out there? Real life. Recreation. Seek that. C.S. Lewis says it this way. We'll read the quote. Got a story for you, and then um, then we're gonna close with songs. C.S. Lewis says it this way. This is so good. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfi- sa- satisfaction for those desires exists. Let me try that again. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger, well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, there's such a thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in the world of entertainment can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly entertainment satisfies it, that doesn't prove that the universe is a fraud. Perhaps earthly entertainment was never meant to satisfy it, only arouse it to suggest the real thing. For those of you listening online, I played around with the words a little bit, but the point is well taken. There's a real world out there, a real kingdom that God invites us into. We don't have to settle for amusement. We can enter into the real thing. And that would be my encouragement to you. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a chance now. You know, the the songs that we opened with were all songs that, I mean, were just part of this message. But now that we've heard this message, we want to give you a chance to respond with those songs again, this time through that paradigm. And as the worship band comes up, I just want to close with a kid's story. Those of you, some of you might have heard about a book called Goodnight Moon. Some of you have read it so many times that you have it memorized. This one's called "Goodnight iPad." And I, I wish I knew how to do this thing that teachers can do, where they can read sideways and all that. I'll do my best. Um, but I want to read this story, and I want you to consider, would you say today there's some things that need to go night, night, either the amount or things that have content that you just believe isn't right. So let me do this as I come forward. In the bright buzzing room, there was an iPad and a kid playing doom. And a screensaver of a bird launching over the moon. And there were three little nooks with 10,000 books and a huge LCD Wi Fi HD TV with Bose 5.1, six remotes, and 3D. And a Blackberry ringing with Eminem singing, and a new Facebook friend and texts with no end, and a viral clip of a cat doing flips. And the bings, bongs, and beeps of emails and tweets. And a fed up old woman who is trying to sleep. Good night, iPad. Good night, Doom. Good night, bird launching over the moon. Good night, Nooks and digital books. Good night, Eminem. Good night, Facebook friend. Good night, LOLs. Good night, MP3s. Good night, LCD with Wi Fi TV. Good night remotes and Netflix streams, Androids apps and glowing screens. Good night plugs and power lights that guide us to use the bathroom in the dark of the night. Good night buzzing, good night beeps. Good night everyone, we should be asleep. Good night pop stars, good night MacBook Air. Good night gadgets everywhere. Let me pray. Lord, would you help us to do that? You know, I think of all the pictures in this book and how the protests that, that came up as these things were taken away. Lord, would you be so good as to give us the conviction and then give us the strength to say no to things that aren't recreation, that aren't renewing our minds and our hearts and our relationships. Would you help us to trust you and surrender everything to you? Lord, we pray that a dangerous prayer, but a good one. That you would bring to mind specific entertainment, including the amount, and that you would speak to each individual here and and, uh, give them uh, some steps to take. So Lord, in this moment now, with our voices, we, we, uh, we profess to you that you are worthy of everything, and you alone are worthy of everything. Help us to enter into worship right now in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name.